Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Bob Petrovic. Now, Bob was born in Belgrade, Serbia. He created the funk sound in Yugoslavia with his band Dravdo from 1975. He owned the best disco clubs in Yugoslavia. He had his own business in metal and steel. When he moved to Marbella, he bought FC Marbella. And he bought the famous yacht, which had some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry. Sean Connery, Mick Jagger, Prince, David Beckham. He created a company called Free Kick Master. He's written two novels. And the first novel sold over 100,000 copies. And he's also been the producer of his wife, Jella Cello. And has put together the music for Jella Cello's music carousel but before we go please go to our website we're at podbean tell craig your story at podbean.com we have a youtube channel there make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates and give us a like as well you can find us at tell craig your story and we have vk for our russian listeners and we chat for our chinese listeners all right here we go this is my chat with bob petrovic on tell craig your story podcast You were here in Shanghai for a promotional visit. What's been happening since the last time I saw you? Really, the summer was happening more or less. You know? I spent singing actually and making some songs. There will be a release of my one of my albums, and then I prepared three, four new songs in addition to like bonus to that album. Oh, that's amazing. And, yeah, it was a long time, you know, that I didn't uh, release nothing new. So it was like pretty exciting for uh, people who are uh, actually releasing this. And yeah. for me, a little bit in process of uh, making music again, you know. I, right. I was making all kinds, some kind of music. And yes. with Jay and, you know, inclining towards uh, classical music and... I made now a few songs which which uh, are more or less, you know, expression of my last 10 years feelings, you know. So I hope it will be good also for listening, you know. So when, when it's ready, I'll send to you. And you've still got that funk sound that you had, you made so famous? There is strong, yeah, there is this strong. Uh, my cousin, uh, young guy, uh, finished with his studies in Berkeley, more or less like a jazz musician. But then last year or so, he tried himself, you know, in this kind of uh, underground pop jazz fusion uh, style. I think, you know, it could be interesting uh, story because it will be, there will be my song, like signature, you know, 
composing and and uh, lyrics, but it will be maybe in a new session, you know, I would say like yes. this, because the guy is uh, really up to date, you know, so let's try, you know. I like to go forward and not to stuck with the past, you know, so yes. if, if he, yeah, if he helped me out from these old shoes, you know, I would be very yes. happy because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not searching for fame another time or for a crowd, you know, to listen to me for my fun, pleasure, and yeah. it will be useful for recording company, actually, which will release this. I, I, I hope it would be good, maybe all this good combination of, of my power, this young generation beat, and simplifying a little bit arrangements not to be, you know, like... Quincy Jones, like, you know, but more right. like minimalistic, you know, drum and bass, but differently with flavor of jazz, you know, and acid, you know. But that's the yeah. thing, Bob. Age, uh, when you're playing music, age is limitless. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can play music and go out and play guitar or play drums or whatever instrument you play. Yeah, I don't feel really like uh, scrap, you know. Yeah. I don't, you know. I. I feel more like, you know, let's try, you know, why not? And yeah. uh, it's interesting because I like this new generation beats, you know, and how they perceive the music and how they arrange, you know, now it's, it's really, there is a lot of talent, but they are not really uh, pressurizing the audience, you know, with some genius riffs or... Uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear that you're still writing music and you're still involved. So when we were talking in Shanghai, I was telling you that I was from Australia and uh, you've met some very famous people in Australia. And one was Michael Hutchison. How did you get a chance to meet Michael? First of all, to say that he was a great, great guy. Like uh, Chablon, but he was really great person, great personality. Yes. And uh, we didn't spend a lot of time, you know, together. But the time which we spent mostly in Marbella and uh, where, where he visited with Poliet uh, at that time, pregnant. Yes. Which is, and this was nice time which we spent together. You know, basically. Uh, cruising on my yacht, you know, and swimming around and then pop on my jet, you know, and going left and right for a dinner and coming back, going to Ibiza, back. It, it was a great time, you know, though he was uh, really upset already with the whole situation uh, around. Somehow he, his, uh, his eyes were sometimes during uh, dinner or somewhere far away, you know. Like it, yeah, it was, right. Like, you know, he, he had all these problems, which, you know, I'm not uh, somebody who, who would be, you know, the one who could judge, you know, why, what, you know, but he was in difficult situation. And, yeah. and I think, uh, you know, external reasons were to blame, not his inner, uh, his soul and his mind and a smile when when it was on his lips, you know, everything was perfect. You know, I, I yes. could never imagine that so only a little bit later he will commit suicide. It, it was, I'm not the only one. A lot mm. of people was, uh, were actually doubting, you know, that he was the one who could do this. At the end of the day, that that's the life and death. And so, so I rather uh, remember him as a great guy, you know, and yes. uh, full of life, especially when he was on stage, you know. Then I was watching some documentaries about him, and uh, really I saw some of his maybe dark side. But yes. this is this is regular with the great art. They are actually changing from mood to mood, 
Unfortunately, he's not with us. I'm sure you know that there will be lots of his music around us. You know, if he oh. wants to stay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Bob. I was just gonna say, like, he was in the prime of his career. To be honest, he had a lot of music to come. Just to say, no, that. no, definitely regretting uh, losing the time on uh, all these things around him. You know, uh, mm. and not actually being in the studio or or performing on concerts, you know, he was missing like this. And he was, I don't know, he was really, even uh, during uh, these few times, five, ten days, you know, together, he was to my lawyer, to my lawyer visiting uh, some office, uh, consulate of Great Britain or something in Malaga, and then coming back very upset, you know, and so on. But in any case, world should uh, remember him as uh, one of the greatest entertainers. Yes. Really incredible personality, you know. I, I met a zillion of people, people you know, but he was uh, he was really unique, you know. Like, like you know, some others who I met, but there are the, I, I didn't meet, even I met thousands of, of uh famous and talented people, you know, there were only a few, you know, who I really liked myself. Yeah, he was an incredible uh, talent, that's for sure. Bob, I want to go back to where you were born. I do believe you were born in, in Serbia. Yeah. So tell us about growing up there. Were your mom and dad involved in music? And how did you, what were the first stages of you getting involved with music? To be honest, you know, I was involved with the life. Right. So, yeah, there were, my parents uh, were actually very gifty, you know, singers, only as amateurs. They right. were involved in sport, in sport yes. and uh, they were professors on the University of uh, Physical Education. Right. My father was PhD in science of uh, physical education and he was very often traveling as I was a young kid, you know, uh, around the world, especially to the United States where he was actually lecturing on colleges and universities and uh, he was in his uh, business, uh, one of the top guys in the world at that time. When mentioning this, uh, I was used to being around man who was recognized worldwide in in this what he was doing. Yeah. So probably from the early age I was I was uh, thinking not only thinking but I was aware that sky is the limit because of him coming from small country and then lecturing you know Stanford University. Or or Yale University. I he, he was whenever he was traveling, he was bringing me this uh, shirt, you know, yes. with uh, Yale and uh, Stanford and University of Southern California and so on. So, so in the same time, he was bringing uh, the records. I was probably one of the very very rare in uh, Yugoslavia at the time, and actually now it's Serbia, the part where I was born and where I'm living, past Belgrade, I came uh, very close to to the music which was uh, at that time popular in the United States, obviously, was the king himself, Elvis Presley. But, you know, I was also listening as a uh, five, six years old kid, uh, not only Elvis Presley, but also, for example, Bill Haley and the Comet, Little mm. Richard, Fed right. uh, uh, Domino, and then, you know, and I had all these records, you know, and then some ballads, Fed Boom, you know, like I'll be Bomba, and, and, and all this music actually left big mark on my later uh, like music career. I mentioned maybe to you in our conversation, you know, as a five, six years old kid, you know, I was 
be playing football in the yard. Yes. And then uh, jumping up, you know, and uh, uh, putting the speaker of this old gramophone, you know, <laughs> on, the, on the window, and and inviting children down there to stop for a little moment to play football, you know, and listen to Elvis, you know, to the Elvis oh. music. What a great it was, offer! Actually, it was it the, it was the root of my first uh, I would say DJ career, but then also to my music career. So uh, I, I like to consider myself one of the first DJs uh, yes. in my country. Actually, yeah. probably I was five years old. You know, it, we are talking about 56, 57, 1957. And uh, and then uh, slowly, because I was playing uh, acoustic guitar, you know, I had one guitar at home. Yes. And slowly, I was obviously trying, you know, to copy, you know, the songs which I was listening from the record, even starting to make very early my uh, lyrics and. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, first song which I wrote was about uh, holiday. Actually, I was in love with the uh, girl. I was <laughs> like six, six and a half years old, seven. Do you think you could still Eight. play that song, Bob? No, it was on my first record, single record. Actually. Right, there you go. Wow. Later, I decided that B side of my, at that time, big hit. Meteorology was the name of that one, was the title of that one. On the B side of the single, my first single was this uh, ballad, you know, because I was, as I told you, in love with girl, and then it came holiday, and obviously she's going with her parents for a holiday, and I'm going with mine, and then I am, you know, like alone in the class, you know, imagining that she's here behind me, already <laughs> very sad because I knew that this was this, this was the end of our uh, romance. Oh, so so I really didn't change lyrics and nothing I made at that time. And when it came my first record, I want to pay tribute to my childhood, you know, days and uh, to love, which was uh, really clean love of seven years old boy you know like and uh, and it, it it looked interesting interesting for me to put this on the record but then as i told you i continued uh, to play guitar for myself but in the same time i started to be interested in playing football and then i was playing yes. really from my age of seven until my age of 18, I was playing in a famous Red Star football club. Yes, I heard that you really had a good chance of, of making it like professionally, right? Yeah, it was really like very close to successful career because I actually was playing for youth national team. And usually, you know, the guys who are playing for youth national team and playing in Red Star, they are signing the contract, you know, professional contract at the age of 17, 18. And when I was supposed to sign, it happened that in the interval of, of two months, you know, I had two very, very, very dangerous injuries, actually. Uh, my left knee first and then my right knee and uh, Oh, wow. It was necessary to, to go on operation. Mm. And uh, I was thinking that it's not necessary, waiting to heal. But then when I started, then again, started to pop off my, my knee, you know. And uh, slowly, this was the end of my dream to become a great football player, you know, which which I'm not regretting because there was music always waiting on me, you know. Yes. It was really 
equally pleases the love for football and for music. But like undecided. So it had to happen something like this with my knees, take full full time, you know. This was great actually, because uh, football is a great game through music. I could express myself yes. much more. Not the time, not regretting. Actually, I'm very happy that uh, life chose for me. Did you have any pre- uh, pressure for you to be like a professor or do really, really good at school? No, I was or... good at school. Yeah, I was good at school yes. all the way to my graduating on uh, University of Organization of Science or. Uh, I didn't have problem with uh, with uh, actually education. I loved uh, mathematics and the chess, play chess. I, I didn't have problem. Okay. Also, I I really liked to write. I was writing small, uh, beside my like poetry lyrics for my songs. I was writing also some stories, even for some uh, youth magazines during my elementary and, uh, and high school. But uh, uh, music was always really there, you know, because uh, gradually I passed from guitar to piano. Piano really opened for me completely the new world, you know, with all yeah. the harmonies. Guitar is great, but uh, piano really made me hear my emotions, rich sound, you know, much more than guitar. And uh, DJing, as of course, 15 years old, always uh, wishing to pass my uh, optimistic, good feelings. I read that, yeah. You said you had, was it two clubs that you had? I had uh, many clubs. Many clubs, all right. I I can't now. There were really many, many clubs. A few of them were uh, kind of best ever clubs in my country. Yes. And even today, these are like legendary clubs. When people are talking about this the star club actually yes or just oh sorry bob there's even a quote there saying that it was better than club 54 in america that's a big vote of confidence for what you were doing it but look being with the music from my very early age recognizing the power of music and the power of of uh, actually passing the emotions on, on the audience, uh, it helped, you know, when I was uh, making my own class, because always I was uh, innovative, you know, and uh, really I came with some things which maybe were uh, invented uh, by me, which uh, is that not one, but many articles in English and USA newspapers, for example, this uh, Newsweek magazine one page uh, brought story on five pages about uh, Belgrade uh, through uh, actual experience in my uh, club. The journalist, famous one I know, because, you know, was really shocked uh, when he saw what's happening uh, and uh, which kind of uh, because at that time Yugoslavia was perceived as uh, as a communist country which was completely like wrong picture because it mm. was only a communist party as a pretext for uh, something what what was you know what was western culture actually 
Yes. I, I think this was trick of the time leader of the fire, Tito, who tricked the Russians. They had some influence on him. He was growing as a politician in Russia, actually. And he was a member of national communist, uh, you know, yeah, right. uh, organization, but in order not to be killed or something, he invented communist party, but we were living life of California. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, that was this guy, this, this journalist, you all couldn't believe what he saw, you know, the fashion, music, and people, and he was shocked, you know, and so uh, on the wings of, of that, you know, shocking uh, recognition, you know, he made this article where he was comparing my club with 54, which probably was uh, a little bit too much, but uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I've been in 54, and uh, obviously, a deal of time in my club, you know, and I could say this atmosphere, craziness, was very often crazier in my club than in 54, which I was regularly visiting during my visit to New York and so on. So, uh, you know, I don't uh, want to talk about uh, me as a genius, you know, who created this. It was normal, crazy club with a crazy atmosphere, which was actually only normal to happen, you know, uh, when, when one had on his mind that I was with the music from my age of five, like uh, intensively, my parties also, which which uh, were famous in the region, and then later around Europe, one of my clubs, for example, in Marbella was uh, Long Legs, Piernas Largas in Spanish, but Long Legs club, and this club was actually hosting uh, incredible superstars, you know, from Paul and the Gang and Shirley Bessie to mm. uh, Imagination, uh, George Uke. Even, you know, uh, Hutchins was, uh, if, if he was uh, like performing, he was busy performing in my club. So Heatwave, I don't know, you know, many, 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 many top artists at the time, I had my football club in Marbella. I was the owner of Marbella football club. So all these big superstars who I was uh, bringing to the club were actually having big uh, gigs on the stadium before football matches of my club. Oh, right, and, right. Yeah. And, and that was the time when I connected the football and music finally. Right. And yeah, it was like, uh, you know, I came home, you know, like, uh, yeah, after 25 years of absence from football or something, as soon as I made big back, you know, with my business, uh, I actually invested in football club, I bought football club, and then in the nice. same time, I had this incredibly, uh, I would say, exclusive long legs club, you know, which me and my neighbor and good friend at that time, uh, Sean Connery, were measuring the legs you know, of the model. The longest legs were once per month uh, winning the brand new Ferrari. You did buy FC Marbella. Did you have some successful seasons with that club? It was a great success at one stage. I spent a lot of money to buy the best player. Right. But uh, at one stage, I, I bought the club from the municipality of Marbella. And uh, right. of course, the contract conditions, they had to cover all past debt, like the social security, like tax to the state. And right. uh, when I club and when I invested in, in, in the best football players who I brought, we started to play incredibly good. Spanish Liga started to warn me that if I don't pay, you know, debt, all debt, and if I don't pay Social Security for the last 10 years, uh, they would uh, take me out from the league, you know. Uh, 
relegated in, in the second division, third division. So then it started complaining, and municipality would say, we don't have the money, even they signed, and then court case, and then it was, uh, it became at one stage a uh, nightmare from my deep, you know, love for football and wish to have Marbella, which I succeeded actually with the uh, football club and this concert competition in long legs, you know, all Spain actually was uh, following on daily basis what's happening with me and my venture. So gradually Marbella came from the dead city. At one stage it was like with Monte Carlo top and then it came in late 80s. To, to, to house, complete house, you know. So when I came, I had to start to, to work on a reviving of this old glory, and I succeeded actually. So people of Marbella respect this, they, they love me even today as the savior of Marbella. Yes. So let's talk about your band then. It says here that it was formed in 1975, a very successful. That it was this funk sound in Yugoslavia. Tell us about how this band formed. Yeah, this was the article uh, recently, not recently, I think last year in, in uh, Guardian, London's Guardian, yeah? Yes. Uh, actually, I started as a pioneer with uh, funk R&B music in the middle of uh, uh, all these uh, uh, rock groups era in my country. Right. So, so my group was very specific, you know, and we were playing good fun, you know, my own stuff, you know, my music. I could say, you know, that we were the only other than rock band by my group. The name of my group was Hello. Then later I started to work under my own name. We were touring, you know, through region, very successfully, first as a pre-group, you know, like warming artist for uh, the biggest group ever in my country, which was uh, White Button, you know, and uh, my very good friend uh, was leader of that group, Warren Bragg, which is one of the biggest worldwide uh, world music superstars. He was inviting me, so we were playing the big gigs on stadiums for them. Nice. And then, and then slowly we started to play ourselves. At one stage, you know, I was starting to make uh, actually big stuff parties in indoor arenas. As, as I was really lazy to to play every night another city same song. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I really became bored. Oh, I, I could do incredible when you when you can do this and I couldn't I couldn't play because every place where you come they want all these uh, hits from the chart yeah. and awesome. I had to play again and again like machine you know the same. So I invented then that we are playing only 15 minutes, my group, uh, and I call it Hello Party and or Bob Petrovich Party, uh, in order not to fool the people, you know, to invite them on my concert and then I'm not playing, you know. But in this way, you know, we, we play for 10, 15 minutes and then it started, you know, big party, six, seven hours, you know, in all around the region. And people, oh. you know, it was like big discotheques, you know, for a night. So, so it was crazy, you know, I, I had these crazy buses, you know, these uh, Greyhound uh, buses, you know, this metal one, two, full of uh, long legs of models who were be competing for long legs, you know, around. <laughs> and then me and my group, and then three, four DJs, and you know, we, at one stage we were even uh, showing pirate uh, movies, you know, 
incredible. And then we we would be inviting people on the stage to play themselves, you know. And really, it was very big, big part, like for many years. Uh, it was incredibly successful, you know. Yeah. It was kind of, I don't know if I have to compare now with, I could compare with Pasha in Ibiza, for example, or oh, yes. somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Or or Nikki's Beach, for example, Miami or something. Uh, like uh, big party with DJ, which which is exactly what is happening last 20 years, you know, on the scene. And I'm talking now about something what was happening for five years. Sorry, Baba, I wanted to ask you. You've you've been talking about so much about music and writing songs. How do you write a song? Has it changed over time like, uh, with the different styles of music that you, you've played? Is it a riff? Is it your poetry? Is it lyrics? How, how... Mood. Everything starts from my mood when I right. have a question. For example, I feel, you know, blue, and then I sit behind my piano, you know, and start to find the chords which express my mood and then slowly slowly you know uh, I'm adding uh, to this uh, chord melody and uh, having in my mind already then at that time some thinking about what could be the theme of this, this song so usually I'm making uh, music in a way that my lyrics come last. But uh, with a very early idea about what I would be having in my lyrics. So when I start with this chord, according to my mood, if my mood, as I told you, is blue, you know, then it's some ballad. And if I am like crazy, you know, then, uh, then I am trying to find the chord, you know, and the beat, which I carry in my head. This is the way how I, I was making my songs. So all my songs are really my personal expression, very honest expression of, of my moods and feelings. There is no lie there. I, I never made song, you know, which, which was artificially made for people to listen. Actually, I was always making songs for myself, and then if they listen, they listen. If they don't listen, what can I do? Right. Tell us about this famous yacht. Now, I've watched videos online. Uh, like, I have, like, the list of some of the celebrities that have been on there. Do you still have this yacht? And tell me about how you got this yacht. When did you decide to, to buy this? Actually... I never was dreaming to have the yacht, you know, or jets, you know, or palaces around the world. I was uh, trading with metal after my discotheques and my music career, which at one stage, as I told you, I simply couldn't repeat myself, you know? Mm. And if you are living uh, out of music, you have definitely to repeat yourself, uh, you know, every once in a while, or actually every night, to be honest if you are successful and if you have a chance to play every night. When my daughter was born, I decided, you know, that I actually try to uh, not to travel, you know, and be absent. It coincided with my set-up mood, you know, with receiving the same song every night. You, you couldn't disappoint, you know, all these, you know, they came to listen to the songs which uh, they were listening on the chart. So you have to play. And then it was either I'm not going to play, you know, at all, or I don't know what. So, so I simply stopped with the touring, devoted myself to my first daughter. That was the time when I realized that uh, my rock style of living, you know, I could really live with no money or with big money from my discotheque or from my concert. From, uh, at some stages, there was lots of money lost. 
lot of money for my country at that time. And sometimes, you know, when I'm lazy to go to play or to do this or that, you know, there was no money. So I decided that, you know, I would come back now to this, what I was educated for, which was business. Try to make some uh, decent uh, money, not uh, actually selling uh, my soul to the devil through the music. Because I, I knew that I have to sell my soul and body for the sake of music, uh, in order to have audience which will be welcoming uh, each of my new songs, and then, you know, I will be probably earning big buck. That, but uh, it's happening, you know, very often. You know, there is one Paul McCartney or Mick Jagger, Mick Richard, you know, or yeah. But out of zillions, you know, who who are in music uh, and uh, expecting that they would be living uh, nicely uh, from uh, not nicely, but like superstars, there are only few who succeeded really. So I. For me, it was not so much this fact, you know, as it was uh, that I couldn't make music for audience. I was making music for myself. Yes. And I didn't want to change it. So it, it was time to, to change occupation. You know? So I went to London and started to trade with the metal. Simple as that. One of my clubs met director who was the director of the uh, sector of production of aluminium and uh, we were talking you know and I got the idea that I might grab few deals you know which I had done you know, and then I connected uh, this production pro- the factory of aluminium in Yugoslavia with uh, mm. Belgium uh, Atlas Copco who was produced they needed uh, aluminium plates for making this, yes. and this aluminium combinate in in Yugoslavia uh, needed uh, steel, kind of steel products, which I took from British Steel, Sheffield. And when I made this round uh, in compensation business, I stayed with uh, about seven eight hundred thousand pounds clear profit after three months of being in the metal business, which was great, you know, to start. And mm. then then I started, uh, I, I, I've been lucky actually at one stage, uh, uh, that was the time when I moved from London to Cyprus because of the tax. Right. I didn't want to make tax evasion and uh, cheating, you know, so I left London, which I like to live a lot, I guess, they talked there. And, but simply I, I formed my offshore company in Cyprus and I went down there. And from there, you know, I started really to, to be very successful in metal trading. Mm. Also, uh, lucked that at that time, Russia, Soviet Union opened actually, because Perestroika is a bunch of decentralized export of uh, steel products was actually that. Because they allowed steel mills, you know, to negotiate themselves the deals, and this was chance for me, you know. I went to Siberia to some of these biggest steel mills in the world, right. and uh, really buying very cheap uh, steel products, Russia, and selling to Mitsubishi Nishiwai, predominantly in Japan. Mm. So ships. Uh, load of, of my steel were for three, four years regularly cruising towards Japan and Korea and it was it was uh, very lucrative simply because I buy for very cheaply and then selling under the market price. I dropped very I, I you know at that time I was making three four million per year in all profit from my trading but That's here in this case, I even didn't move my small finger. So I, I, I want, I, I used to say, you know, I, I got the biggest lottery ever. 
Right. Can you imagine these guys to come to the discotheque? I'm sitting with these beautiful Swedish girls and this young guy in six months' time. Then I helped in opening a few more offshore banks. Right. And uh, that's how I ended, you know, with the uh, money to buy my own jet, you know, and uh, Google Club. That, right. You know, I, I have this, I have that. No, no, my friend, you know, you have to be a right yeah. place, right time. You know? Yeah, that's right. And, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then but, I was in wrong in, in in wrong time because I lost all my fortune, you know. Uh, on stock exchange, you know, with the strongest uh, company, you know, in Europe at that time, I went from 94 uh, euros per share to 3.4 euros per share. Wow. Ah, good, good story. That's it, you know. That's a huge crash. It was that. It was the biggest crash, uh, they say. Just some of the names that were on your yacht. It was Sean Connery, Mick Jagger, Prince, David Beckham. So it was definitely the who's who. What I wanted to talk about now was your collaboration with Robert Cool, and like they had their huge hit celebration. Tell us how that all came about. I was a huge fan of Cool and the Gangs from I would say day number one. At that time, as I told you, I had first my first uh, discotheque which I owned myself, and there was this big hit, the Jungle Boogie. You know? Yes. So I was playing this Jungle Boogie like crazy my discotheque because I was also DJing. You know, in my my discotheque one hour every night I was DJing, and uh, from that point on, you know, I was really big. Uh, a fan of Poland again, you know. I remember myself dancing on the rollers, you know, in the woods, you know, with the headphones of my Sony Walkman. Uh, and when it came out, uh, this uh, Ladies' Night album with Ritty Taylor as singer, I I went completely crazy. You know. Then a little right. bit later, I was uh, uh, with my business career in London. And there was this uh, victory tour. They had this famous song, actually big hit, also victory, victory. It was uh, their concert in uh, Wembley Arena in London. Uh, I, at that time, I already had my Rolls Royce, and I could afford in all lounge there. And also, I asked my guy that was providing me with the best for all the concerts, who tried to arrange, you know, for me to meet guys, cool and again. Okay. It came, like, easy, and uh, I met them backstage, you know, and this was my first contact with cool and again. And oh. then we stayed in touch. Years later, you know, when I moved to Marbella, the first act to play in my club and on my stadium was obviously Polonia. That was the time when I was also playing with them. There are some videos maybe you saw you know, on YouTube or something where I am like playing with the Polonia, dancing with them and playing yeah. the people. So it was a long way from my adoration for Polonia gang, you know, uh, Jungle Boogie song yeah. until it all me actually paying them to come, you know, this was a special story, you know. I, I brought them for one concert and then I paid off uh, penalties for seven following concerts so that they could stay seven days in my club and play every night. It was like a big jump from DJ who liked their uh, record to uh, the financier actually who like their music, you know, and 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 pay them, you know, for there there are lots of happenings with them, you know. They, they they like also to be part of my long life competition, so they were becoming regularly for three four concerts, only to measure the legs also, you know. Everybody likes to measure the legs of these beautiful models. Yeah, we stayed friends until today. Actually, many of them from the original lineup. 
died, but uh, Robert pulled Bell, you know, with, with my great friend, you know, he's still alive and and uh, touring with the young guys. That's great. That's great to hear. They're still out there touring. That's that's great to hear. You mentioned before about uh, your daughter, Anna Ann. Tell me a little bit about her. She had a huge hit uh, called Ride, I do believe. Now yeah, she's she good. Yeah, right. Yeah, she, she was uh, incredibly, I say was because she's not new yet. She was uh, a, real, a real deal, you know, I would say. During my days in London, actually, I pulled some of uh, my contacts there, you know, and everybody was fascinated with her voice, look. Eventually, uh, she ended, you know, on the chart, I think four or five songs. Yeah. At the same time, she was uh, graduating uh, during her career, uh, music career, she graduated on Guildhall University Quality. She was in the Conservative Party and she was like one of the three main uh, members of the party for Chelsea and Kensington Borough where we, we were living. Yeah, right. So she, she was pushing both uh, careers in the same time, which was a bit interesting, you know. I even remember once, you know, she took me to the Parliament, you know. Uh, and that was her music. Right. <laughs> on, on PA in the middle of the parliament. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, they liked her there, you know. She was not member of parliament, but she was uh, usually uh, very often visiting there some of the bosses of the party, including uh, uh, Mr. Cameron, who eventually became, you know, the leader of the party. She was pretty, I would say, often with uh, John Major and her protégé was Mr. I did see some of her film clips, actually. She's an incredible singer. Yeah, composer, singer, pianist, top model, even Jean Paul Gaultier created for her a few dresses, you know, and a few outfits. She really... She had a great career in front of her if she if she wanted. We even spent six months in New York where where she was supposed to pursue her USA career because she was also in USA chat. There was kind of bidding, you know, for for her between Atlantic Records. There was, if I remember good, Mr. Rekalman was chair. It was after Mr. Epstein was the owner of Atlantic Records. And then between so Atlantic Records, RCA, there was David Novich, uh, main A&R, and then uh, Arista, there was Mr. Barkman, yeah. charge, Clive Davis owner. So I don't know how it happened, you know, that she decided, you know, she was actually in the middle of the recording in the uh, capital record studio in uh, LA for the album and she had this album which was never uh, released it's an incredible album maybe today I, I will release even today it will be great you know yeah. there were 14 songs on that album you know which what happened you know she was uh, in the middle of recording and one night she's calling me and telling me I have 40 degrees temperature. I will call up. She's calling me from her apartment. And then I uh, call her agent there in Los Angeles and the others, you know. Uh, they, they couldn't come. They, they were in different parts of the state, you know. So I told her to jump in the car and straight to the hospital. Yeah. And she was driving with 40 degrees and with me on the phone, you know, if she collapsed or something. Yeah. And she came, you know, I'm listening to the doctor, and they are checking meningitis. So after this meningitis, she never, uh, she she was very lucky to survive, you know. It was a very heavy form of meningitis, and she never came back to me. It was like 
But I guess that that's something that she could always fall back on if she decides to oh, ever, ever go I, back. I, I, no, she, she really, at this stage, she already didn't like uh, showbiz. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She, she said, you know, if you are a superstar musician in England, it's completely different story than if you are uh, pursuing your career in state. Yeah. You know, I have my theory, you know. You have uh, still alive Paul McCarthy, Mick Jagger, Roger Daltrey from this first wave of uh, pop rock groups in England. Uh, Roger Waters, uh, I don't know, you know. I, I could now, you know, continue for Elton John, you know. Wow. And in the United States, you know, there is no Whitney Houston. There is no Michael Jackson, there is no Prince, there is no even to, to continue Jimi Hendrix and the others. Somehow yeah. instead, they burn like instantly, or at least uh, long before time. And in England, it looks that they know how to preserve their stuff. And, and you know, nobody was writing about this. Maybe you can yes. start this uh, this theme, you know, this idea of uh, which I am now talking about. Mm. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, something is there, you know, and, and she sends it. She sent, maybe God saved her, you know, by awarding her with meningitis. Because she told me, look, if I stay here, I couldn't leave without talking about uh, your lovely wife, Jella. Tell us a little bit about how you've met and what you've done together musically. Yeah, it was actually really signed from the heaven. You know? When my wife, with whom I spent uh, almost four years together, five, four, after three daughters, you know, and life together, you know, when she decided that my rock and roll style is uh, too much for her, <laughs> you know, she could do it uh, much earlier, but okay, she decided and I've been thrown. I don't have better word, you know, from my family nest, you know. Okay, that was my uh, part of this responsibility for this what happened. A rock and roller I couldn't keep you I I would not say what under control and going around, you know, obviously with some beautiful leggy ladies. Always coming back but uh, you know, it's like cynical, you know, what I'm saying now. Coming yeah. back uh, uh, to home sweet home, you know, and family. And I respected my wife, and uh, really uh, she was uh, the queen, but uh, I made many mistakes. And she was probably tolerating this until uh, one day she told us, now enough is enough, you know. Then, a few months later, you know, instead of really, I would say, I was ready to end up my life. Not because I was uh, sad or thinking, you know, everything is lost. No, no. Eventually, you know, I had enough of everything. Yes. But I met this beautiful girl, cello player, you know, and little by little, you know, we clicked, you know, and uh, and she extended my life, actually. You know, it was uh, through music first and then through mutual, you know, understanding, and uh, we slowly started to work together on uh, building her career. She was just finishing her studies of Villanchello, uh, Belgrade University, and uh, slowly making together the music, producing together, touring. I was there always for her enjoying the music, then making together music, own music, releasing this, making animated series, you know, educational, like uh, for children, yeah. enjoying really uh, to, to create.
actually she you know made it like big time like uh, not only classical music but also contemporary music she formed her own 60 pieces symphony orchestra symphony orchestra i can't wait to see that day i want to be there in front of that 60 piece orchestra just yeah, yeah. sitting it's, there uh, and just all young and accomplished musicians, uh, talented, good-looking, you know, and full of uh, energy. And uh, this orchestra is really playing everything from Purple Haze, uh, Jimmy Henry, people who see this on YouTube if they want Jeva you know, Purple Haze, how they play this stuff or how they play some very complex, you know, music uh, contemporary for symphony orchestra, cello and symphony orchestra, which would be, for example, a soundtrack for any movie. Yeah. Any movie you know. It's a great thing, you know, we are really enjoying, you know, and she, she was playing also on, uh, uh, to mention uh, a few things, uh, playing uh, through Rene Walter introduction on Oscar ceremony uh, party, you know. Yes. Uh, uh, working for charity, which was endorsed by the James Cameron, one of the biggest film directors. Really, she she had great success all around, and now we met you in China. You know, I think there is great interest. China for uh, her concerts, and I hope that during next, uh, the end of this year and during next year, especially, she'll have a lot of concerts in China. Yeah, it's such a big market here, and I think her style of music definitely fits. Here in Shanghai, it's the jazz and the blues is very, very popular here. So, yeah, I think it's going to work very, very well. And you said that you're going to come back to China? Yeah, yeah. Uh, her producer, actually, agent, you know, Kim Rene, just yesterday, actually, he, he informed us that he has some arrangements uh, for, I think, November and December for next year. So we'll be back, so probably, and then we'll meet. Absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed talking with you, you know, so I enjoy talking with you. You've had a, an amazing career, Bob. It's still going to continue now with Jella, which is so promising. We've only just touched a part of your career. I could have talked about your book. I could have talked about your free kick master program that you have for uh, sports people in in Serbia. So <laughs> Free kick master is continuation of uh, my relation with football. Actually, it's world championship in executing of free kick. Very attractive competition. Yes. And uh, uh, I'm proud of, uh, together with Rene, actually, we had this event in New York, not actually in Houston. This record-breaking one was in Houston, Texas. Right. And through Fox uh, Sports International, IMG production and distribution, uh, Messi, Ronaldinho, and all the biggest superstars were executing pretty for... Uh, audience of over 850 million people in 180 countries. Now we are trying to stage this in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is such a spectacle, you know, because in one hour and a half, uh, you see over 100 goals, very, very uh, attractive goals, and very attractive states of the goalkeepers. It's a uh, goal, 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 you know. When you go to football match and you are watching and it's zero zero, you go home very unhappy. And okay. when you are watching our competition, you go out, you know, and you are vomiting the, from so many goals. It's like goals for whole life. It's enough of goals yeah. for whole life. So, yeah. so this is this is great uh, actually competition. I hope that uh, will uh, next one will be in China. You know, they are, they are inviting us now to Saudi Arabia actually which is uh, investing a lot in football these days. They should because they haven't been in the World Cup for a couple of years now. And when they do make the World Cup, oh, my God, this place is going to rock. It's going to be really, really exciting to be here. 
maybe we can uh, uh, help them in in promotion. You know, actually in promotion nice. for their because uh, we we will have all the biggest superstars in the same place in the same time. And nice. uh, what better chance to invite the world? You know, to support China in their bid if they are still interested in in uh, in taking of of uh, world championship that would be amazing absolutely okay thank, All right, for your time. thank yeah. you very much for your time you. and i do appreciate it and i look forward to seeing you and jella soon i'm bella from bella simple chinese school if you are beginner intermediate advanced looking for hsk study business chinese or simply want to improve your everyday communication, I'm the teacher for you. Come and join me for a free trail class at Balance Simple Chinese School.